Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the podcast series where we talk about what is evolving in the world of FSC and the world of sustainable transformation. Today, we are going to dive into the world of safeguarding FSC's integrity and ensuring that businesses around the world who are working with FSC are the good guys. In a world where sustainable transformation is the norm and prerequisite for many business transactions and licenses to operate, getting FSC certified is increasingly attractive to companies around the world. This is a positive thing, but it also means that some might want to join FSC who does not necessarily fit the profile of companies we want to work with. They might be deforesting forest areas in other parts of the business or violating human or workers' rights. These and a list of other actions are in the FSC system called Unaccepted Activities. And today we're going to talk about a new tool in FSC which will help us identify if a company who wants to get certified or become a member of FSC has been involved in any unacceptable activities or not. This will then allow them to either enter the FSC system or enable us to reject their application. To help me understand more, I invited Saya Hotti, the Program Manager for Operations and Development at FSC. Let's hear what she had to explain to me about FSC Check. Hi, Saya, and welcome to the podcast. Can we start off? FSC Check, what is that in your words? Hi, Loa, and thanks for inviting me. FSC Check is a completely new proactive way for FSC to get to know who is applying to be part of FSC, either as a certificate holder or, or as a member. So it's, you could maybe describe this as a risk mitigation tool, helping us to recognize applicants that might not be aligned with, with FSC principles and, and, and values with all of the operations, and which could then create reputational risks for, for FSC or require remedy of the harm done. Some would maybe call it a due diligence system, but I just like calling it FSC check. <laughs> and what is it that we're looking to check more specifically? We are looking for connections to um, to unacceptable activities that would go against FSC values. What that means is we are looking for connections to, for example, uh, companies and organizations that we do know that have engaged in those in the past. We're looking at risk factors that might require more checking uh, from our part before we, we allow these uh, companies to become part of the FSC system. Or there might be some other reasons that, that they're not welcome to FSC system. For example, double checking that there isn't any blockage because of false claims um, that have been found out before. In, in FSC investigations. So that's a given that if they've cheated with FSC in the past, they shouldn't be recertified. Yes. What are examples of other unacceptable activities? FSC has a rather unique system in, in, in place called Policy for Association that actually calls for corporate group level accountability from all the companies that are want to be part of the FSC system. And this policy then it specifies the worst of the worst, the unacceptable activities that go against FSE core values that we would expect these companies to respect in all of their open operations, not just certified entities that get audited and checked thoroughly, but also in their other operations that are related to forests and uh, forest product sector. 
And these activities would include things like deforestation, it would include illegal logging or customer and human rights violations, workers' rights violations. It would include destruction of high conservation values uh, in forests and also use of the uh, GMOs in, in forestry operations. So these are the ones that, um, that have been defined and specified in a policy for association. So that is our starting high-level starting point. Why is it that we need such a tool in FSC? FSC is a mission-driven organization, as we know. So we have our strict principles that we expect everyone to uh, respect as well in their operations. So ultimately, this is a value-matching exercise to find out whether the FSC and company are a good fit for each other and whether our principles have been understood right from the start. We know that sometimes there have been issues with that in the past with the companies that have already been part of the FSE system. So this is part of also more proactive approach from uh, from FSE trying to deal with this uh, situation before we actually end up being associated with them. Okay. So it's it's before they become certified, it's before they come become a member. How how does the whole thing actually work? What's the process? The process. Okay, so let's take a um, um, certificate holder just to separate out. Um, they're very similar, but just to make it make it easier to to understand. Everything goes as before. <laughs> so, company would get in touch with the certification body. They would uh, start arrangements and negotiations. They would come to an agreement about certification process for the company. And then during that process, there is a specific step where the company is expected to to sign a trademark license agreement with FSC. So even though the certification body is doing the other certifying part and confirming that in the end, hopefully if everything goes well, there's the license agreement to be signed to FSC system. And this FSC check will be the first step in that process. So it will be embedded in that process. And that means that then the certification body confirms the company is ready to sign this agreement, clicks a button, and that sends an automated invitation to our FSC check system for the company and they can access it from there and then continue to our trademark license agreement once this FSC check has been completed. How can a tool check whether an applicant is engaged in unaccepted activities? Like which kind of information does the tool or questionnaire hold the input given from a a certificate holder? What is it held up against? How can it know? Well, the system can not know. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's clear. But what the system can do is to identify certain risks and probabilities based on a on a data that uh, the companies uh, would be providing through this questionnaire. So it helps to go through these sets of questions, uh, asking questions about their corporate group and about their operations and and these kinds of things. So of course, there will be some basic checks against our databases and then some risk calculations done as well. And if then there's a, a possibility that there might be a higher risk for engagement in these unacceptable activities, that's when our human uh, intervention uh, becomes on as well. 
and there will be a then a person actually looking at this and making um, additional clarifications. So what are the kind of questions that I'm asked if I'm now a certificate holder and I'm going through this process, I want to sign a trademark license agreement with FSC, so I have to go through FSC check. What is the kind of information that I'll be asked to provide? So you will be asked about your corporate group. Of course, your certification body has already inserted some information about your company to the database that will automatically show in FSC check as well. So you don't have to do it again. So it's going to be there and you can just confirm that this basic information is correct. And this would be like name and address, contact information, and this kind of information. And then it will take you through the questionnaire. It will be um, asking you about your corporate group, you know, who belongs to that, what kind of do you have forest management operations um, outside the certified operations, where those um, those would be. It will be asking about the size of the corporate group. In, this will be in terms of staff, for example. And it will then very directly ask about these unacceptable activities as well, asking whether there have been any incidents around these uh, activities uh, during during past years. That's the basic set of questions. Does it also look into industries and those kind of things? It's a possibility that we would ask about uh, what industries the companies would be uh, or are operating in. This is a possible risk factor. Let's put it this way. It's a, also a learning process for, for FSC for how to build these, um, these risk factors. So we are going to be proceeding one step at the time and then uh, including more parameters um, and indicators as we learn uh, better what type of our indicators work best in our environment. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, is this tool something that's ready, that's going to be rolled out soon, or is it something that we're still building? Well, we're developing this. The first launch will be in July for new applicants to be expected to go through this um, FSC check. And then we will be developing this um, in a background going forward. Mm-hmm. I get curious because what then happens, I put in my data, the tool comes out, ding, you're high risk or you're increased risk or specified risk, whatever we call it. What then happens? Who then does what? Well, then we have a process in um, in place where, first of all, we will uh, try to see if this risk can be cleared. So it's always a possibility that there's some kind of a system error or human error, mistyping of something, for example, at some part of the app. Uh, Process. Of course, we try to put in place mechanisms to avoid these kind of situations, but you know we have to count in a possibility. A person who's going to first check for that, that can this risk be clarified through something like that, or maybe there is something else in the questionnaire that would require more information. For example, um, if a, a company would be uh, declaring that, okay, we actually had some issues with, with this and this, Mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, but we don't ask them to provide huge amounts of information at that point of time. For us, it would be then only a sign, okay, uh, we should get back to them and um, ask for more information in a different way to see that's what the situation has been. Mm-hmm. So if I'm now, I declared, yes, I had issues with, I don't know, child labor in one of my groups. It's two, three years back. And that then deems me at high, as high risk. We would have a person in the other end inside FSC 
who will then ask, well, can you show us more evidence about how you've mitigated that or how does that work? Exactly like this. So we would not be rejecting applicants automatically just because they ticked a box in a questionnaire. So there will always be a, a manual check. This sounds like something that could awfully slow down the certification process. Do we know, do we have any estimates of, of the timelines for such a manual review? Well, we are expecting, first of all, a high majority of applicants to just pass this FSC check without any manual checks. Um, and that will be done then uh, within a couple of um, business days. And the same would be true in the cases uh, where we can identify, okay, there has been a glitch in a in a, in a system uh, system somewhere. But of course, then if we need to get back to the company or possibly their certification body, then that would take a little bit more time. Of course, that's time that the company then can uh, impact themselves uh, in terms of how fast they will provide us information and uh, how thorough that information is. But we would not expect this to uh, be longer than around 10, 15 business days. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like everyone should expect a couple of additional business days because they have to go through this process first and then they can move forward with their trademark license agreement. Well, not necessarily because we don't really, it doesn't have to be the last step in a certification process. It can mm. also be early on in a certification process and done in parallel with the certification process. So that's something that should be considered. Maybe this trademark license agreement step should be started earlier on in a process to ensure that this really hasn't gone through by the time that the certification takes place. Because usually mm-hmm. a certification process will take a couple of weeks in the shortest possible yes. <laughs> scenario. That's the same so, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But of course, we are trying to think think of the the situations uh, that would be most critical in terms of uh, of time use, mm-hmm. and this okay. would be a suggestion on how to mitigate that. Okay, and maybe we should just clarify the reason why I'm laughing that it takes a couple of weeks is not because it takes longer for FSC or for the certification body to certify a company. It's because the process actually is you sign a contract with a certification body and agree on a date for an audit. That's one of the first steps that you have in your certification process. And that's where you're saying we could actually place the check already done. And then there's a period where the company develops what's called a procedure. So they develop a manual for how are they going to adhere to the FSC standard inside their company. They do all of the internal changes that they have to do to their work streams so that they adhere to the FSC standards. And only then, once they've done that, once they've adapted their IT systems, once they've trained everyone internally, once they have their manual in place, only then they have the FSC audit. So that was just a reason for my laugh of the two weeks because often it takes longer than two weeks for a company to create that manual and get everyone trained and get IT systems in place. Exactly. And maybe this process can run in, in parallel as well. So it doesn't necessarily need to uh, take up any any um, additional time at the very end of the process. What happens if I'm rejected? Like, If I go through the process and it turns out I, I actually don't adhere to FSC's values, can I appeal? Well, yes, there's a form, of course, there's a complaint system in place um, in FSC. So this can be used um, if you are convinced 
that this rejection is not justified and you have evidence that this rejection was was not the right conclusion uh, from this review, then of course there can be a complaint lodged to FSE about that decision. Mm-hmm. There are also other other possibilities if you then realize that, well, yes, that is actually true. I did not think about that. We had a history of, of, of these kinds of um, activities, unacceptable activities in the past. Then there's there's another route, which would be asking for a remedy process. So FSC has also launched FSC remedy framework recently, which would then offer a possibility to remedy the harm done from these unacceptable activities and then be declared ready and eligible for FSC system. Mm, okay. So it sounds like you, you thought through some of those, those different scenarios, which is already tickling in my mind, the what-ifs. This also sounds like right from the outset that it's an, an English language platform and, and tool. And many of the companies who will be facing challenges within these uh, unacceptable activities will probably all often be placed in countries where English is not the first language. Will we have multiple languages available for those that don't speak English? We will have multiple languages. We will have Spanish and French, of course, as official languages in FSE. And we are also going to add possibility of translation of the tool for other languages. As you say, FSE is a global system, so we do need to be able to accommodate several languages. But maybe to just add to the point that you made about other problems not being in English-speaking countries, that might not be (laughs) entirely accurate. And also, um, a reminder again about these corporate level accountability. So it, it might be that uh, it's a global corporate group that has uh, operations uh, all around the world and they might be then applying from anywhere in the, um, in the world, regardless of where the um, actual unacceptable activities originally took place which also could be in English-speaking countries. When we when we first started the, the conversation, you were talking about certificate holders, and but you also said members. Does all of this also apply for members, companies who want to be a member of FSC? So, of course, these are two different roles in, in FSC system. And the members have a very important role um, as part of the um, FSC governance structure. So, of course, they would be required as members to also uh, comply with policy for association and be in good standing also in other respects. So this FSC check will also apply to um, to new members and it will be done in a very similar process for, for members as well. But how does that work? Because with the certificate holders, I understand that, well, they, they are talking to a certification body anyway and have a contract with them. And therefore, it's a natural step of the process that the certification body will initiate them getting on to FSC check and going through the process. How does that work for applicant members? Well, the members also have an application process, but of course, then that is with FSC. But it will work um, in a way that the FSC membership team will, at the end of the process, enable this FSC check. And that will, in the same way, send an invitation for the um, applicant member to join the um, FSC Connect and uh, start FSC 
check through that. So, of mm-hmm. course, that doesn't that process doesn't lead then into a signing of a trademark license agreement, but there will be a response to the applicant and to the membership team that now the FSC check has been completed, and I can you can proceed with the process. Okay. I'm um, actually, well, one of the things I came to think about when I just heard you talking now is that one of the requirements that we have when when organizations, companies, NGOs, social organizations, when they want to join as members of FSC, they have to have two recommendations from existing members. And I guess the role of that uh, historically has, has sort of been to do this kind of due diligence check of <laughs> do, do we actually acknowledge these or do we actually agree that these people are in adherence with FSC values. Would a tool like this potentially replace the need for those written validations? I don't necessarily see that happening because the tool is just a tool. I see FSC check as a part of a um, range of tools, risk management tools that we have in place. And no tool can go and see what happens on the ground of a company. It's a limited what any tool could do. It can only calculate certain probabilities and risks based on on the data inserted by the uh, by the company and then maybe double checked and cross referenced with uh, some external sources as well. But it's only a snapshot still mm-hmm. and won't be able to uh, of course see everything and give us a hundred percent information. It's, it's risk based. Mm-hmm. So I see it more as a as a one piece of the puzzle. Where then in the membership side we have also membership team are uh, doing their checks and uh, we have these recommendations from other members uh, too. And for the IM members and also actually for certificate holders, for members it exists, but for certificate Applicant certificate holders, this will be now introduced. Uh, FSE will be publishing new applicants to the system for the past 30 days. So that's another uh, added layer of transparency uh, for the system to show that who is applying to be part of the um, FSE system. So these are all different tools to try to do this um, due diligence from our part. Mm, that's really, I didn't know about that. So we will have a list of applicants, certificate holders. And then, then what, if I'm a concerned stakeholder, I can, I can look at that list and say, Hey, hang on a minute. That company shouldn't be allowed to be certified or. Yeah, well, exactly. So it's a possibility to see that who has applied to FSC system. It's, it won't delay the process. Uh, so for certificate holders, for example, it is possibility that the certification uh, comes through during that 30 days. If it's a very straightforward, simple operations company, it is a possibility that this, uh, that this happened and that's okay. The idea there is to really increase transparency and allow this possibility. If then someone knows, if a stakeholder has some evidence that uh, there is now an applicant that really shouldn't be allowed to FSA system, then they can use our existing complaint system. We have a complaint system for the uh, policy for association violations, for example, and they can submit their evidence. 
through that channel. Okay. So we've been talking about members. We've been talking about certificate holders. We have one more additional group uh, of users of the FSC system, which we call trademark license holders. So companies who only sign an agreement with FSC because they want to market and sell what we call finished label goods. So products that are done, ready to go to market, they carry an FSC label and they want to market those. So those are the retailers and the web shops around the world. And they don't hold an FSC certificate. So they don't get through a certification process. Would this adhere to them too? Will they also have to go through FSC check? The policy for association now at the moment applies to certificate holders um, and members. It doesn't apply to uh, promotional license holders. So no, FSC check is not part of this uh, process, at least at this, at this point of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Might want to look into that in the future. So this is, is, is a tool that if you're out there, you're thinking about, well, I want to join FSC, I want to become certified, then it's natural for you that, well, I have to use that It's part of the process. What about all of the existing members and certificate holders? Will they also have to go through the same process and be evaluated? For the time being, we are only focusing on the new applicants to the system and introducing the um, FSC check with them. The procedure and the policy that we have in place now specifies that this is the group that would need to go through the FSC check. But it also states an aspiration that uh, in the future, that's of course what we would like to do, introduce this as a regular thing for the FSC system because this information also changes. Corporate groups have different arrangements between themselves, within themselves. They keep changing and there are different updates in terms of their operations, where, where do they uh, do and what are they involved with. In time, it would be important to bring everyone into the system and also have regular updates to their data. Oh, that's a really interesting thought. So it could be actually be part of their annual audit, for example. For example. Mm-hmm. Well, insanely interesting. When will all of this roll out and, and will it be mandatory? It will be rolled out in, um, in, in July um, this year. And yes, it will be mandatory for all new applicants to certification and membership from that time, time on. Okay. So what if I'm now already considering that I want to apply for certification? I'm sort of starting the process. Is there any way where I can get a glimpse into the kind of information that will be asked to be providing during that as part of the process? Well, actually, these um, are categories of questions. They are already part of the uh, disclosure requirement procedure that we have published last year. In August, it was some, it was approved, and uh, that already shows categories of questions and also tells what kind of um, uh, risks we are expecting to identify. So that is actually a very good starting place to have a look at uh, what what will be expected in this questionnaire. Okay, so if I go to the FSC Document Center to find the, those questions or that form that you just talked about, what should I be searching for more specifically? Disclosure requirements. Disclosure requirements. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, maybe an unfortunate name now that we have our <laughs> FSC check, but we didn't know it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it matches okay. What if I just want to get more information about this tool, if I want to get updates, if I want to get more informed, where do I go? Do you have any comms planned? We are going to be, um, of course, telling more on FSC website 
about FSC Check in general. Then in FSC Connect, uh, there will be uh, this will be a tool. This will be part of a uh, uh, part of that uh, that portal that's uh, that's open for. Uh, for certificate holders, and then there will be there will be news articles um, published. There will be a podcast, hopefully published. We have also put together now uh, some questions and answers documents to start the discussions and conversations. There will be information uh, and discussion webinars arranged first internally with our own network and certification bodies to uh, to prepare them uh, for this artwork. And then we will also create guidance and information packs for applicants and other stakeholders in the FSC system who are interested in knowing um, how that weeks. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you have a full rollout planned. If you look two years ahead into the future, Saya, what do you hope the effect of this tool will be? I'm hoping that we have way better understanding of the organizations and also also individuals. You can be a member as an individual, for example, and who they are and what they do. Of course, how well they match with 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 FSE values. Now we know so much about their certified operations, but that might be only a very tiny part of their operations. Uh, also in terms of their operations in forests globally, they only might have a, a tiny part of that certified under FSE. And I'm hoping that we have way better understanding who they are and what kind of uh, operations uh, they have. In, in two years from now, I'm hoping we are in a different place, that we are kind of um, ahead of the curve, identifying existing and, and maybe potential situations before they actually escalate into serious problems that are already within FSC system by the time that we uh, become aware of them. This is my hope and wish mm-hmm. <laughs> and trust. <laughs> For this, so, uh, for this tool. hoping to mitigate any dispute before they happen. Well, th- you can you can put it in this way. I'm thinking that's trying to mitigate situations that could potentially be harmful for for people and environment. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Saya, for taking the time to explain to me a bit about FSE Check. It it sounds like the next couple of months will be both busy and, and quite exciting for you. Absolutely. This will be uh this will be really, really busy time, but um also really exciting and I'm really looking looking forward to uh to July and showing everyone uh what we've been working working on and what it can do. That concludes my conversation with Saya, and what an interesting one. I always love when a colleague of mine tries to build new and smarter tools to make us more efficient and to safeguard the integrity and credibility of the FSC system. Because let's face it, some will and do take advantage of our logo and our reputation and portray their products as better for the planet than they are. So let's hope that Saya's aspirations come true that we in two years' time are ahead of the curve and can use this tool to ensure that harm against people and nature is mitigated before it happens and that we can use FSC Check to tighten up the validation of whether a company or individual should be allowed to be part of the FSC community and can be trusted to work for a better future for all. 
Remember to subscribe to Forest of the Future if you want to get notified of new episodes where we dive into other innovations within FSC in the world of certification and sustainable forest management. You can also always get in touch with me on podcast at fsc.org. I'm Laura Worm and this was Forest for the Future.